Hello Explorers and welcome to episode 31. As always, as we head into the Christmas period then, I'm joined by Cheeky Elf, known as Taylor from Canada. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and a guy whose beard rivals that of Mr. Claus himself, it's Dewey. <laughs> Howdy. I hope we're ready for plenty of Christmas puns on the show. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> so we've got with you, Taylor, how's your week been? It's been really good. Um, it's been... Yeah, nothing to complain about. It's been good. <laughs> good, nice and steady. What about you, Jimmy? Yeah. Um, it's good. Uh, busy. It's always a hectic time of the year. You know, we're winding down for Christmas break, and kids, students, and parents are losing their minds because they're like, "Oh, I'm not passing your class," or "What can I do to pass your class?" And so it's just been a uh, hectic. <laughs> but yeah, overall, family's good. Getting excited. I'm um, getting ready to take the. Molly and I are going to take the girls, um, our two exchange students, to New York City over Christmas break. So we're getting Ooh. we're gearing up for that. So, and I'm you know my bank account's gearing up for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, Jack? How was your uh, how's your week been? Yeah, nice and steady. The, the weather's getting a bit rough here, um, snow and stuff like that. I've started to plow through Path of Vengeance. I think I've got about four hours left of it. I think. Um, I'm just getting up to a certain bit now where the rods are just been being put together for the leveler, just, just demonstrating the power of the leveler, the mother is. Um, but yeah, I'm starting to get back into the horror public a bit more. Um, took my lad out shopping on Saturday to a place called Forbidden Planet, and it's got like loads of Star Wars stuff. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, we, we, we picked up a few things. Um, I managed to pick up the Star Wars character encyclopedia, which is a massive help. If you're like oh me, always lose track of who's who and where they're from, etc., etc. Um, but yeah, cool as always, then we'll go straight into our Force Encounters. Cool, happy days. Who wants to start us off then? Who's got what Force Encounter? Um, I have one. Okay, so um, this week I, I don't know, I, I work at the zoo, so I'm always doing some weird like cleanup thing or whatever, um, or working in the gardens. And this week I was just putting some stuff away inside the train station. And I guess we have this like spot where um, we've been collecting like those fluorescent super long light bulbs. And uh, they were kind of just all leaning up against like this wall in the corner. And it was like, ah, oh, whatever. And I didn't pay them any attention. And I slammed this door behind me and it was like raining outside really bad. And I just thought I'm going to put my hood up now and my zipper up and get all like ready for the rain now before I step outside. And I throw my hood up. And the second I put my hood up, I hear this huge like explosion. It's just like, bang! And it was like 
it startled me so bad because I'm also listening to like the end of Midnight Horizon on audiobook. So I'm listening to a ton of war sounds already. Mm-hmm. And I turn around slowly, like, what the heck? And all these like little things were like, like hitting my back. Like, at, and I was like, what the hell? And I turned around and I guess one of those fluorescent light bulbs had completely fallen. Like one that was like, tw- like 10 feet tall, like a super, super long one. Bell just exploded, and if I didn't have my, like, hood up, it would have all gone into, like, my hair, and I would have had glass explosion everywhere. So, my force encounter was that the force told me to put my hood up on my rain jacket to protect <laughs> myself from <laughs> the falling light bulb. <laughs> yeah, the little things. I cannot believe how loud it was. It was like, my eardrums literally popped. Like, I was like, what the hell? Which we had headphones in as well, though. Uh, I had one headphone in on one side, and my left side that didn't have the headphone popped harder than my right ear. So, yeah. I, oh. I really had no idea that they would explode that bad. And when you're not expecting it, it's a little bit scary. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jimmy? What have you got? Um, yeah, I had... Uh... Tuesday we had, or Monday we had our first swim meet and my, my athletic director calls me. He's like, Hey, come up to my office before you guys leave. And I was like, Oh, okay. I don't know. I thought maybe I was in trouble for something I'd done or whatever. Whoever knows. <laughs> I say a lot of things. Sometimes they come back to get me, but, uh, I walk in there and he has this box and he hands it to me. And it's the, I don't know if you guys remember this. It was like four or five years ago. It came out. It was called Jedi challenge. It's like a VR experience and you have a lightsaber. I remember him playing it. He was going to have me come over and play it. He's like, Hey, we haven't used this in like four years. So here, take it. And uh, I just handed it to me and I'm talking to see some people online. They think that the app is done. Like it doesn't really like work anymore, but the lightsaber in it uh, is really, really nice looking. So that was pretty cool. So I'm going to mess with that when I get a chance. And then, um, we have this place called Ollie's and it's like this warehouse, like, I don't know, secondhand store kind of thing. Well, but it's toys, but like the cards are like for a Steeler or Star Wars fans, like the, the boxes are banged up and things like that. And I got a yeah. Chewbacca uh, figure for my group thing. And I got another Ahsoka, you know, three and three quarters. So that was pretty fun. And then the, the guy who checked me out was like, Oh, a Star Wars fan. I was like, yeah. So we started chatting and, and I'm getting him some stickers, so hopefully, uh, hopefully he's listening. And uh, but yeah, so it was kind of fun, just kind of getting some things for the collection. But what about you, Jack? Um, nothing for me this week. I haven't really got a force encounter, unfortunately. Um, just been go go go, like I said, with work and stuff like that, and just getting through, just getting through Path of Vengeance, and and yeah, reading the uh, the encyclopedia. Ah, oh, mine comes in two days, three days. Yeah, three days. Tuesday for me. Yeah, yeah. Just so whenever so whenever this airs, yeah, I'll finally get that. So I'm excited to dive into that. Yeah, I just got to chapter. Well, I'm on chapter nine of uh, the Eye of the Storm. Oh, Eye of Darkness. Jeez. So and it's like really good so far. Nice, happy days. Okay, so <sighs> let's head over to Batu and we'll have a look and listen at what news is coming out of there then. Okay, rumours are going about that the Skeleton Crew will not be released until after Halloween next year, so potentially another year's worth of wait for that. Oh. Yeah, 
And Mando season four filming starts early 2024 and releases 2025. So what have we actually got coming? Next year should hopefully see the release of The Acolyte. Can't wait for that one. Skeleton Crew, the final season of The Bad Batch and another season of Tales of the Jedi. Now again, this is all down to the strikes. Uh, the Actors Guild, the Writers Guild has had a massive, massive uh, knock-on effect. The only one we haven't man mentioned is Andor Season 2. Again, I've seen but not com no confirmation of that. It could be as well. 2025. We did mention it last week. Uh, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Uh, I'd still personally be happy with Acolyte, Skeleton Crew, Bad Batch and Tales of the Jedi. Uh, I think that's enough Star Wars for a year for me because I know we've got the news and reveals of the new Star Wars films coming but also we've got I think Celebration next year in Japan. No, it's yes. 2025, wasn't it? Was it yeah, 2025 in Japan. Yeah. So. Yeah, so they'll be gearing up a lot of trailers, I guess, and, and stuff um, ready for that. What's your thoughts on the Skeleton Crew, Jimmy? Disappointed. This show seems like it's just can't get get going. I know, you know, we we all assumed that we were getting it what prior to Christmas this year and all that, and then yeah. it, it's getting pushed. And I want to I want to see this show. I want to yeah. you know, especially with some of the rumors that are flying around with it, and the idea of it, you know, being like the what well, they keep calling it an Amblin, and people who don't know what that means, it's like. E.T. and the Goonies, like it's the company that made those. So it's like a kid's adventure with some adults in it. But it sounds fun. It sounds different. Um, I like Jude Law. So I was like, I was kind of excited for this. And then with the tie-ins of the rumor tie-ins of it, you know, connecting to the Mandoverse in different ways. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm, I am disappointed that, um, you know, we're not getting it sooner. But it is what it is. I mean, I'll just take it as it comes. Yeah. 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 Something, stuff is still telling me it's not going to come at all. I don't know what it is. I've just got it in my head that it's going to get cancelled or, or chucked out the window. And the only thing is as well with having kids and stuff like this is if there's going to be a season two, like with sort of Harry Potter, it's probably the best I've seen is the kids get older in real life. Yeah. Um, they hit well, that yeah, they're going to have factor. to be careful with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because what it's there, they've... It'll be like two years, and for kids their age, they will yeah. change a ton. They're gonna grow yeah. over that yeah. time period. Yes, I don't know. Maybe, and I mean, if they do it, they're going to have to. If there's a second season of it or whatever, they're gonna have to have a turnaround on it. Which you know, that could be done. They could already have the second season planned or whatever, and turn yeah. around on it and film it. Um, you know, Hollywood just needs to get back on track, and Disney Plus needs to get back on track. But yeah. Um, I imagine there's enough future projects that they don't need to stall on anything, you know, for 2020. Because, I mean, it sounds like even if it isn't until January, I mean, what, three shows? If, if it's the Acolyte and Skeleton Crew, Bad Batch and Tales of the Jedi over the next year, which is only a month, you know, less than a month away now, that's not bad. That's a lot of Star Wars. That's uh, a lot. You could you could piggyback off. I mean, you you know, you go week to week and fill up almost a whole, whole, whole year with that. Yeah. I'd be all right with it. So yeah. then we get Mando season four and we get Andor season two in 2025, go to Japan. They have announced the movies. We should, we see our first uh, trailer for yeah. the Ray movie and 
all of mass hysteria and Star Wars is back, baby. And there you go. <laughs> there, there's a Star Wars roadmap by uh, Jimmy Adams for 2024 and 2025. <laughs> Put your bets on now. Let's see it. Cool. What news we'll have you got, Taylor? Um, we've got Adam Driver, Kylo Ren in the sequel trilogy has revealed that the scene he still can't live down eight years after Star Wars. The Force Awakens was released in cinemas after Wallace a- after Wallace asked if he was being serious. Driver responded, not every day, but yeah, it used to be more, but now it's probably once a month. Someone will let me know that I killed Han Solo. <laughs> right, he's the one who just killed him. Um, Though Solo's death left fans divided, it helped establish Kylo Ren's place in the Star Wars sequels as he battled between the light and the dark sides of the Force. Driver went on to recall that it was like filming the scene with Ford, which um, went on to recall what it was like filming the scene with Ford, which wasn't necessarily tough, but very emotional, actually. You know what's so funny? This should actually be my Force encounter. I, me and my husband just randomly decided to start watching The Rise of Skywalker, and, like, this scene just, like, came on the same day that this article came out. Like, I didn't plan it intentionally, it was just so random, so, yeah, awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I have, um, you know, he's talking about this, ever since The Force Awakens has come out, people have been bombarding him with, um... You know, that, that was the big story. It was like, oh, people are harassing, not harassing him, but you killed Han Solo, blah, 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 blah. And um, <laughs> it's it. funny. <laughs> and uh, an anecdote for this is my ex-wife was actually worked with Harrison Ford, right? So he comes into Wichita for his pilot training, and she was his CSR. Um, and I remember her, we were there watching The Force Awakens, and uh, she's like bawling. I'm like, you you knew he was going to die. Like, I mean, you know, and then she, like, a couple <laughs> months later, Harrison's in uh, Wichita and she's like, I was so sad. And he's like, why I'm right here. You know, he's just kind of just the way he is. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then I think, so yeah, I think this really sets up, you know, I, I never thought anything. I mean, did you guys expect solo to live through the the, the no. trilogy? I, I didn't No, I, I did. It was very, it was pretty. You obvious. did. I don't know. I didn't expect him to die in Force Awakens because I knew he didn't want to do the Return of the Jedi. Um, but I wasn't expecting him to go like he did in 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 Force Awakens. Mm. Oh man! As soon as they got close to each other, I'm like, well, this is how it ends. But um, <laughs> I do think that the payoff in the Rise of Skywalker was pretty. I mean, because that's a pretty powerful scene. Whenever you hear "Hey, kid," yeah. You know, yeah. and he turns around and you're like, holy crap. Like, I, for some reason, when I heard Hey Kid, I thought it was Luke Skywalker, like, showing up as a Force ghost. Yeah, it doesn't sound when, like, it the, doesn't sound it like It didn't sound like Harrison. It sounds like, yeah. And I was like, oh, crap. And uh, and then he turns around and Harrison Ford's standing there. And I was like, what? Double And crap. Uh, that, was, <laughs> that was just a... That was an amazing scene. So I think the payoff for it was pretty good. And someone said that Harrison Ford came back for that scene because of how much he liked working with Adam driver. And that was like his deciding yeah. factor in it. So that was, that's pretty cool. And props to Adam driver. And we all know he's a good actor. So, but yeah, that's nuts. I just watched the scene and like, it, it's so good. And 
I don't know. I think about like, oh, the sequels. But then when I was actually watching it, you know, I'm like leaning forward, getting right into it, huge smile on my face. Like, I don't know. It has its flaws. All of the sequel movies do. But this one is, I, it was just actually so good. And I'm like really enjoying it. I have to watch it in like three different chunks because I can't stay awake the whole time because I'm old. Um, <laughs> but like Leia has just died. Right. And Ray has just stabbed him and he's like, and, and then brought him back to life. Like, oops, sorry. Like I won, but Hey, sorry, you're alive still. <laughs> right. Like, and then he's just, he's just thinking like, what just all happened? And then of course, Han Solo is also there. It's just so emotional. It's like, dad, it's like, I know. And he just whips the lightsaber. Like, yes. He's like, yes. So good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, we got the final season of The Bad Batch is coming in 2024, bringing to the close the saga of Clone Force 99. Executive producer and head writer Jennifer Corbett tweeted that the final mix session for the final season has been completed, meaning not too long wait for a release date. So, yeah, it sounds like they've got all of the the voices and everything time, you know, sounds and sound effects, everything added to it. So it's probably ready to, you know, I'm not sure exactly how that all works. But I'm assuming they go through it. They watch it again uh, with fresh eyes. Cause I mean, you, I don't know if you guys ever worked on something. I do it sometimes when I'm editing this podcast, like if you do it over and over and over again, you kind of miss things or something that's blatant. So yeah. I wonder if they, you know, they bring in a fresh set of eyes to look at something or Dave yeah. takes a look at it for the first time being, uh, the new, you know, chief consecutive or chief yeah. officer, creative officer. But um, that's exciting. I really like that. Um, I know I know we're going to get into it when it, when we release it. I'm not sure we'll do like review shows for it or anything. But um, do you think, spoiler alert, do you <laughs> think that they will keep tech where he is? That's yeah. all I'm going to I'm not going to say. Because there's rumors that it's not, he's going to come, he's going to be, it's going to be different than how it ended. Hmm. No, I think they're all going to die a miserable death, unfortunately. We know that Dave Floney likes to trick us. So he's going to make it seem like it's blatantly obvious what's going to happen. And then last minute, it's going to be like, bam, you didn't guess it. And we're just going to be like, oh. I think the Lord died. I'd be surprised, I wouldn't be surprised if Amiga survived and she appeared somewhere. Yeah, I think so too. I I I kind of think that I thought they were going to die off, you know, quicker. To be honest, like I thought they would, because they're nowhere in canon. And I know that we say all of us, you know, everyone who's in, you know, doing Star Wars podcasts and YouTube channels and stuff, we always, well, it's not in canon. Like I mean, you know, Johnny and I talked today about we have spoken. Like that's canon now. It never was before Mando, but now it's like. He's yeah. finding its place and like you'll see in the, the eye of darkness and everything like that. But, um, you know, they can write stuff into Canon, but I don't know where they would fit in Canon. I guess there's the, mm. the, the difference, like something that major, like having a group of guys that can do yeah. what they do in Canon and not being, not being around. And, you know, given the fact that they like to help, I think they all end up meeting the, you know, sacrificing for Omega in the end. And I do yeah. think she shows up live action later on somewhere oh that'd be so cool speaking of omega um i have the uh star wars lego advent calendar for christmas and the very first um the first day was omega riding a sled 
Yeah. Or like a sleigh. <laughs> Get the pictures up. Get the pictures up. I will. I will. I was so bad. I didn't do the first one. So I think I'm going to do like three at a time. So it gives people a chance to open them themselves if they <laughs> if they have the same one. So it's pretty fun. For the free calendar. Cool. Yeah. Happy day. <laughs> that ties up the news then for this week. Not a fat lot going on. Uh, and we're going to move on now to the main show. Cool. Happy day. So what we're going to go into now then. Okay, is our Christmas show. Because it's Christmas, we've got, uh, well, we've unwrapped our top five Star Wars gifts, pun intended. Uh, so really, <laughs> this is more of a shout out, not just to the explorers, but to Christy, Molly, and obviously Mr. Holland. So if you're listening, <laughs> Billy. get your notebooks, get your pens. Okay, what you're going to hear now then is our top five uh, Christmas gifts that we've been uh, researching. We'll start off with number five. Okay, starting straight off there, I'll jump straight in there. Uh, something I think would be uh, an ideal present uh, for any Star Wars fan is clearly the Eye of Darkness. Phase three, oh. always jump in there. Nice and affordable as well. Eye of Darkness for me. What about you, Taylor? <laughs> what have you got? It's a huge book, by the way. Um, my Okay, so my number five is like actually a realistic gift that I... Am fully expecting you to get me for Christmas, Billy, uh, because I have only left it open on my phone like three times, um, and I have messaged him about it twice. So it is actually, it's a twelve-color laser combat sword. It's a heavy dueling with six different uh, sound effects, and it is a lightsaber that is gold and silver and it's like it's just so high republic looking i'll show you guys the picture of it it's beautiful and it looks like it would be super smooth like in my hand like i don't think i would get a bunch of blisters like i do with the uh um skywalker legacy saber that saber will give you blisters for days if you're playing around with it so fair warning but here's the kicker i want this saber but i want two of them so that I can connect them and have a double bladed High Republic theme lightsaber. Oh, I've only been doing light uh, <laughs> I've only been doing like um, staff spinning for like two years getting ready for this so it's happening this year. <laughs> nice. Number, that's my number five in what this you got, thing Jimmy? it's my number one. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm going to go from, so growing up, I think I've, I didn't have a ton of Star Wars toys, but I had the T-47 Snowspeeder. Yeah. And of course, oh. as a kid, I did't take, I didn't take great care of it or whatever, you know, it's in, it's in pieces. I would kill to get an it. original, yeah, I'd kill to get an original T-47 Snowspeeder from, you know, the Empire Strikes Back toy line from, uh, you know, 1980s. I think that would be awesome to have that and just the nostalgia for me um is would be be off the charts as far as that you know one of the was a gift i remember as a kid getting for christmas and um you know it was kind of fun to see them in uh kenobi so a little weird but it was it was kind of cool to see those uh in there and of course hoth being my favorite uh battle scene you know can't go wrong with (laughs) the t47 Nice. My daughter's favorite Star Wars scene too is literally nice. the Hoth battle scene. My it's so four, oh my, my gosh! <laughs> hey, and she'll never grow out of it if she's smart. So uh, <laughs> good. What nice, you, Jack. Oh, oh, so, no. Yeah, okay. coming in at number four uh, for me. Then 
It's going to have to be one of the sideshow collectible figures. Again, they, these range from, I'm going to say quite cheap, but it's not. So I would say from expensive to very expensive to extraordinarily yeah. expensive. Um, pretty much <laughs> any of the band owners would fit nicely in a cabinet that I've got at home. Um, top of the range quality collectibles. I have actually ordered uh, a Darth Vader collector's edition one. Uh, it should be coming in July. Um, so yeah, for me, number four for me would be a sideshow collectible. Dang. Yeah, those things are <sighs> pricey. Yeah, very pricey. <laughs> what have you got at number four, Tay? Uh, my number four would actually be a Star Wars themed photo shoot. Right? Like, with your cool cosplay, you could have your lightsaber, you could have, like, blasters, you could be, like, whatever you wanted to. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know, like, in, like, the mountains or something. Like, you know how people post those super cool cosplay photos? Like, did this photo shoot on the weekend? It's like, okay, I need that, because that would be so fun. And I want, like, unlimited costume changes and unlimited coffee <laughs> to keep me going. And I'm talking to you, Josh Banta, who listens to the show and he's the zoo photographer. So <laughs> plus more. Um, yeah, that would be so fun, right? That would be Unlimited cool. shots. <laughs> yeah. I did. Um, when we drove to California for celebration uh, in 2022, we stopped at the Joshua tree national park. It's basically where they filmed Kenobi on that one planet. Um Ooh. And we did some photo shoots of myself with my Kenobi gear on, which is pretty cool because it's just such a unique uh, background. But yeah, it's fun, Taylor. You should. I hope you get that. So um, number four for <laughs> so me. Fun, right? Anyone who knows, I collect Funkos. Obviously, I have a problem. I was up over five hundred, and then I got to the point where I was like, "Well, I'm gonna have to start collecting <gasps> things that I I want specifically." So I've kind of narrowed it down to like Ahsoka and Kenobi and Chewie, and of course, like I just pre-ordered Balin and Shin. Uh, for yes. January, but um, <laughs> I would go with number four would be the glow in the dark Obi Wan Kenobi, which was gonna be a uh, Star Wars Celebration Anaheim exclusive, and then COVID happened, and they did a lottery, and it was impossible to get into it. Um, and like I had multiple people trying to help me out getting it, but that was the only Kenobi I'm missing as of right now, and that would complete oh. that collection. I'd, I'd have all the Kenobis, but that thing ranges at a thousand bucks. And when I was in line to get uh, Ewan McGregor's signature on the Kenobi, the guy in front of me, he was from Australia. I was super nice. It was awesome talking to him. Um, you know, that box, that, that, that Funko is worth like $900 to $1,000 USD. And the guys that they had working for him slammed it down on the table. And I was like, ah, like that thing's worth a thousand bucks, man. Like chill out, Ugh. you know? So I felt bad for that guy. Cause he was about to have a heart attack the way they're just kind of like smashing it around and stuff. Oof. Oh my gosh. But that'd be my number. That'd be my number four. Wow. Nice. Okay. Coming in at a slow pace for me. My number three, again, keeping uh, with the tradition <laughs> is going to be the ATAT Walker model. From Lego Star Wars, mm. that thing is huge. Uh, oh. So the price it was originally at around about seven hundred and fifty odd quid. Uh, it's down to about six hundred and sixty now. Again, super super expensive, but the detail in it is absolutely amazing. Uh, oh there's lots of things uh, that come out. You've got all the figures that come with it. Uh, it would take a while for someone to build. Um, definitely keep me busy and quiet. So that's a bit of 
positive thing for Christy. Um, <laughs> yeah, the 8018 Walker model for me from uh, Lego Star Wars is my number three. Oh, that's a good one. That's, that's awesome. My husband was actually saying, he's like, you know what? I would hate to build a giant Lego Star Wars thing with you because you are so slow at them. And I was just like, thanks. <laughs> 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 because I'm trying to build them with the ca- advent calendar. And I am sorry, but I am very slow at building them. God, you're the, that's why you're the Lego guy, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> oh, I just, I did, I did build some Legos this afternoon, so get awesome. some things put back together. <laughs> <laughs> I just right. can't do it. <sighs> what have we got, number three, Tay? Uh, my number three would be a. So I don't know if I would want the three D printer to be able to print a full Mandalorian armor uh, cosplay, or if I would just want the full Mandalorian armor cosplay. <laughs> one of those two um but i would totally want to like paint it myself like the color and you know how they have like the little voice thing inside of them so that they can talk to each other yep. and like the fan so that you're not like dying of heat in the summer so that would be super sick and with like double blasters like like oh so fun so fun <laughs> yeah i would go with just give it getting it gifted to you having printed stuff on 3d printer it is a pain to bondo and sand and my yeah. gosh it it's, just, i'm not ugh. yeah i mean it's fun if you have the time but yeah i mean you gotta i mean it's All like work. you have to set yeah it's a lot i mean i'm sure it's super rewarding and people do it and they make a living <laughs> off of it yeah. but my goodness just having it gifted to you that you could paint it i think it'd be a way to go because yeah but, i mean right? again it, it is rewarding to build your own stuff but Man, yeah, imagine like, you could just can, repaint it every few years. Like, oh. I can see my 3D printer sitting on the ground over here collecting dust because it's made me angry so many times. <laughs> I just kind of have had it with it. So, it's too complicated. Um, I feel like I wouldn't be able to do it with my brain. No, nah, they're not that bad. So, just, <laughs> no, well, no, especially the new ones. What have you got in the free? I, this is going to shock everybody that listens. I oh, want God. a replica of Balin Skull's lightsaber. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh man. I'd like a good one. Oh. I've actually started looking at different companies and things like that. They haven't, uh, they, you know, there's companies that will, like, they can't like name it the Balin, you know, or whatever. Cause they have yeah, but you rights know and things is. like that. But I haven't seen anything I like so far. Um, maybe that's a good reason to get my 3d printer up and going. Who knows? I do have a Kenobi yeah. one built that way. Um, but yeah, that, I think that would be ideal. Get that black series figure in February. Get the Funko in January, and then have the have the actual <laughs> uh, lightsaber sitting there would be pretty sweet. I think. So awesome. that's my number three. <laughs> oh, and then it would just be a piece to your cosplay as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I gotta start working on that. So. <laughs> cool. All right. Coming in hot then for my number two again. Stick with the the, uh, the Lego um, feed is the Lego Star Wars Millennium Falcon. Um, the oh. set was again about seven hundred fifty pound at the minute. It's on a massive reduction of five hundred and eighty. I'm literally in balance of going for it or not going for it because Dude. this thing is going to stop selling uh, in the middle of twenty twenty four. So the value of it <gasps> is going to skyrocket. Um, oh my god even just buy it as an investment this is the thing because 
if it's going to be an investment, then I'd leave it in the box and not build it. But the oh, child and me would not leave it in the box. I definitely would build it. <laughs> uh, First and day. if I do build it, the size of the thing, I literally have nowhere in the house to put it. So if I did put it somewhere in the house without the space, it'd break. So at the minute, uh, I'm leaning towards no. Uh, uh, yeah. My number is two is like the Lego Star one? Wars Falcon. Is that the big one that you always see in like the TikToks where people are like smashing them and stuff? It's the largest it's the largest Lego build, like UCS. Yeah. Well it was. I don't know if the Venator is beating it or not, but it has the most pieces. It's like seven thousand pieces or something like that. It's insane. Yeah. (laughs) What have you got, Taylor number two? My number two is going to be the R2-D2 replica from the BC Droid Builders Club. Um, I, I've i actually talked to um, Andrew from the BC Droid Builders Club about it on the show before, about this droid. Um, and I would like it with like the remote control and like the drink stand that they have with it. It's so awesome. The droid actually belongs to Nick Harrison, but Nick and Andrew have worked on it together. And they've built this thing from scratch. And this is like a four foot tall, moving, glowing, beeping, talking, rotating droid. Sorry, like three foot, seven inches. Because they have to be exactly perfect, right? (laughs) So um, I know you guys love that droid and you bring it to Fan Expo and everything that you can possibly bring R2 to. But I am going to have him for Christmas one year. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure they'll part ways with that. What have you got, Jimmy, at number two? Uh, we're going to go back to the Funkos, and we're going to go to the Hall H Blue Ahsoka from the last uh, from the last San Diego Comic-Con. I have Ooh. seen very few of these things on the market. Their price range is astronomical. It's just a Blue Ahsoka. Um, the crystal theme one, right? Is yeah, I think so. Um, but it's... I mean, it's almost impossible to get unless you've got a, quite the uh, quite the paycheck or the wallet, you know, Deep pay for it. But that would also complete. I mean, I'm looking over here and I have all the Ahsoka Funkos. Um, I got one signed by Ashley. I'll need to get one signed by Rosario eventually. But um, oh. uh, and so I think that would complete that collection, and it would be awesome to have that and complete it. And uh, that's something that I mean, I'd love to have. So sick. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so my top one, again, I've sort of got two. It's a bit of a cheat one. But I would love a tour around uh, Rancho's uh, Star Wars tour. Oh, uh, Rancho yeah. Rancho Obi-Wan? Yeah, I'd absolutely love uh, to visit that. Um, but the only thing that could trump that would obviously be a visit on business class to Florida to go around Star Wars world again <laughs> on my own, child free. <laughs> oh uh, god! My cosplay, dressed up, running around, uh, causing absolute chaos. <laughs> so yeah, for me, it'd have to be tickets to go to Florida. What about you, Tay? What's yeah, your number right. one? Um, you're gonna laugh, but my number one is also a trip to Disney World, Florida. <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah, I want like the World Hopper Plus tickets. And I want oh, the Disney hotel, so. and it has to be like two weeks minimum. And oh my gosh. the hotel's got to have a hot tub. <laughs> Jeez. 
<laughs> That's my number one. <laughs> That's what so about much. you, Jimmy? Come on, Jimmy, don't uh, let us down. <laughs> well, I've been to Galaxy's Edge and I've been to Disney like a bunch of times, so those those are good ones. Um, yeah. <laughs> we were planning a trip to Rancho Obi Wan before Celebration when it was originally supposed to come out in Anaheim, but of course COVID shut everything down, so that failed. But mm. I have been kicking around the idea of buying this uh, this item. And I got to go ahead and I didn't pull a trigger because it's so much money for something. But my number one is the UCS Millennium Falcon Lego set. Um, God, <laughs> I love this thing. Um, and, you know, you talked about the size of it and the cost point. Molly and I, you know, we build a lot of stuff. We know we do a lot of like uh, furniture and, you know, shelving and, you know, just different things, all kinds of odds and ends and dog crates and dog beds and we saw uh, someone built a coffee table, put sand in it, yeah. put that down in there, put some figures around it, and then put a glass top on it. And Molly said, if we do buy it, if I ever do decide to buy it, that that's what we will build. And that's where we'll display it will be in the center of the living room. So that would be my oh, number one. My like I said, I, I've come close a couple times, but my goodness, here in the States, it's about 800 to $850 to uh, buy it and <clears throat> just I don't know I I can't I don't know if I could stomach spending that much money on a Lego set I don't you know oh my goodness um, you got the go-ahead to buy it and you didn't or you haven't yet yeah no That's and like I, I thought about doing side it. pulling at you <laughs> <laughs> well I was gonna do it this year because we get these you got these things um, for through school but then we end up using all that money to for our trip to uh, New York with the girls. So I had planned on doing it this year in November, <laughs> and then I kind of got sidetracked. Being a parent sucks. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard to be selfish when you're a parent. I don't know how you guys do it. Um, I, I usually get whatever I want. I, I get whatever I want usually, and I don't like it. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's my number one. So. Oh my god. That wraps up um, the, the main show for today. Uh, what we're going to do now then is head over to our little book club where Jimmy is going to be chatting to a special member of the show. Hello everyone, welcome back to Explore the Force. Um, today we've got a special guest. Johnny O or the Starbird Files. How are you doing today, Johnny? <laughs> good, thank you. Great to be here. All right. Um, good. Yeah, so I think people probably know at this point if Johnny's on the show, it's probably something to do with the High Republic. <laughs> <laughs> He's our Joe Costa yeah. new of the High Republic here um, in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> so um, everything's going well for you, Johnny. Holiday season started off okay. Yeah, yeah, it's going. We've been Did you guys, doing operations um, up this weekend and stuff. So, <laughs> um, if Johnny, does uh, Deborah, do you and Deborah celebrate uh, Thanksgiving over there? Uh, we usually do. We didn't really this year. Um, I asked Deborah if she wanted to do something for it, and she said no. She can be bothered this year. So, <laughs> uh, so we didn't this year. <laughs> we usually do. Yeah. Okay. It is it is quite a bit of work sometimes. So Yeah. But all right. Well, so Johnny's here today. Um I know we've talked about this a little bit when we recapped uh phase two of the High Republic. 
and uh, we kind of put this this book on the on the on the calendars to discuss the Eye of Darkness by George Mann, the kickoff of phase the official kickoff of phase three. Even though we had a few comics come out prior to it, and you know, Tales of Light and Life kind of had some characters, but this is the start of phase three. Johnny, what are your overall thoughts? Um, you know of this book, I guess, and, and how it jumpstarts phase three of the high Republic. Uh, yeah, it does that well. I think I really enjoyed it. Um, well, I didn't dislike phase two. I was, I'm really happy to be back with these characters that we knew from phase one. Um, and I thought George Mann does a, a really great job of writing the characters that we know so well when, you know, he didn't join uh, the project until phase two. So, uh, yeah, I thought he did a great job of carrying that on. And, yeah, it picks up, what, a year after? I think it's around about, yeah, well, it's the anniversary, isn't it? It's a big kind Mm -hmm. of uh, thing in the book. Uh, So it's a year after the fall of Starlight Beacon. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting where it goes with it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, for people who don't know, George Mann, like Johnny just said, he joined in Phase Two. He wrote Battle for Jetta, that which was an audio book first, um, audio drama, which I thought I really enjoyed that. Um, and now you can buy a hard copy of it. He wrote the young adult or the child the children's book Quest for the Hidden City, which I thought was okay. Um, and then he also did a forerun High Republic Adventures series comics that did mostly dealt with the nameless and planet x well repercussions of planet x i guess so um going into yeah. this johnny and have knowing his background from phase two like you said phase two was fine um were you excited that he was the one starting the book like it, not, it wasn't charles soul it wasn't cab Ann scott it wasn't you know yeah, it was justina ireland yeah it was kind of surprising it wasn't one of the original like five. Um, so I was a bit surprised that it was George Mann, you know, when they announced it uh, back at Celebration. And, uh, but yeah, he did, he did a great job, I thought, because obviously all these characters in, in this book have been created by the original five back in phase one. And then, so we know them all pretty well by now. Um, and he did a great job of like continuing on and making them feel like the same characters just you know they've been through some stuff since then uh, yes, with, with full of starlight beacon and everything that's gone on kind of in the year the year in between so yeah no absolutely um yeah I, I was again too i was surprised um going through his you know not mad about it or anything like that i did think it was weird that it wasn't one of the big you know the starters but i'm sure they're probably going to cap it off or however but um that, that shows a lot of confidence in him i think to let him start off this final phase of uh something i, I mean for us i know you and i and it's hard for me to judge like how many people outside of like hardcore fandom of star wars mm-hmm. are reading these books i mean i've heard a lot of people say well i've tried to read it and i couldn't because there's too many jedi or i was talking with someone on <laughs> facebook today that said you know i read path of vengeance or path of deceit didn't like it and quit um, you know, and so I wonder how, if this is pulling in like new star Wars fans or not, cause I know it's 
sometimes it's hard because like I know Johnny, I mean, you know, Johnny has been celebration. I've been celebrations. Like, you know, we are obviously hardcore fans. So I'm kind of curious as to like, like to find someone who is just a reader of stories and what they feel of the high Republic. But anyways, yeah. we'll jump into this. Um, and I don't have a, yeah, I don't have a script or anything. So we're just going to kind of freehand this uh, the best we can, but it kind of starts off and we'll just have some ideas, but, and this is full spoilers moving from this point on. I don't know if we can really talk about this book <laughs> without it being spoilers um, to give away anything. But uh, all right. So first thing, Avar, Avar Chris, she's back, the hero of Hetzal. And I felt, like you said, George wrote this character like he had created her himself, um, separated from the Jedi this made me think, you know, as the book goes on, she's suffering quite a bit. And it really made me think about Obi-Wan Kenobi for some reason and his journey and everything he lost yeah. in uh, the prequels and then throughout. And I just I just thought maybe we could start there with Avar, talk about her journey through the book, and then we can kind of, you know, and her new friends that she meets along the way. But uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Avar and her journey in this book? Yeah, well, wouldn't you put it like that? It seems kind of obvious, really. I guess it's for all the Jedi that are stuck behind the storm wall within, like, what was now Nihil territory. It is kind of like their, like, the Jedi Order post Order sixty six, you know, um, being hunted, etc. Um, yeah, Ava. Uh, you know, yeah, she's trying to survive, trying to do good, kind of thing, and feels like she's not doing enough um and yeah feeling kind of cut off and lonely i guess um and i think what it does with well throughout the book i thought was kind of you keep on getting these little uh bits of hope as they maybe discover things and that and you kind of think oh it's you know so we're finding some ways of fighting back against the nihil and those but as the book goes on each of those bits of hope kind of gets snuffed out again <laughs> it's like ah, yes. <laughs> okay <laughs> it's not gonna be you know a straight ride from you know the fall of starlight beacon now begins kind of like the fight back it's like the fall of starlight wasn't necessarily the darkest hour i think this book is the darkest hour of the whole thing um because everything they try whether it's avar chris and Porter Engel behind the storm wall or the people, the other side of the storm wall, the, you know, the, the Jedi order and the Republic, everything they try kind of fails. Um, every idea you think, okay, this is it. This is how they start to figure it out. Kind of, <laughs> there's, there's an answer for, uh, from the, you know, the night hill or Mark and Rowe kind of thing. Um, and I think I felt like there's a moment later on in the book where, uh, Marky on Row expands the storm wall further and more planets become part of oh it. Oh my and gosh, th- that was that really felt um huge and kind of like that was like the darkest the, the the hardest moment for everybody because everything they tried and it and it still didn't work and it got worse. Yeah. Absolutely. That's it was kind of weird that it wasn't as you know, when you read the fallen star, that devastation, you know, the fall of starlight beacon, that's like this physical, you know, everything crashes. And obviously fallen star had, you know, a double meaning with, um, 
Jedi and with the, you know, the Starlight Beacon in itself. But yeah, the expansion of the Stormwall was eerie. I think like I could see this like in a movie where it's just like taking over. Like I really want to see this. I want to see these stories on either animation or in a movie. Yeah. Just, just these planets being sucked into the storm wall for people who don't haven't read this or don't know, haven't read it yet. Um, Mark Rowe has created this um, wall, this invisible wall around well, like Johnny said, Nihil territory, and nobody can get through it. You can't get through it unless you have the passcodes, and if you do get through it, somehow you get destroyed. If you try to go light speed through it, you can't get through it. He's basically just built a giant. I mean, it's like the Berlin Wall, but there's no way to get through it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, John, that was that's a yeah. good point because every time they did something, you know, and I and I was and I and I know you and I talked a little bit before we finish it, and you're like. I, this went a different direction than I thought. So I kept waiting for something. I kept waiting. And then I kind of realized like, Oh, cause I thought, Oh, here it comes. Here comes Elzar. They're going to bust through this thing. And it's going <laughs> to, we're going to start the Nihil running. And it's just the exact opposite of that move. And it's just like Marcion or Marcion or Marcion, however you want to say it, just, he's a bad dude. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really good point. Yeah. And so, um, Avar, uh, she meets another um, Ugnot. I cannot. Wa- do you do you remember his name? It's like Beal or uh, Balin. Balin, I think. Um, and I was excited to see that. Yeah, Balin. I, I was excited to see that. Uh, I have spoken. It was not just a Kuil thing. It's a uh, Ugnot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> quote. Yeah. But I thought it was pretty fun to see that. Yeah, he he he, fun, he 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 he's a pretty fun character. Just all over the place, doesn't he? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was great. I already enjoyed it. Was it was kind of fun to yeah. have that. Uh, yeah. So you were saying about Balin? Did you know? Did you? I mean, I don't know about you, but did you know that I have spoken was like? I mean, this is like a, an Ugnot thing now. I mean, we haven't gotten a lot of Ugnots in the no. And so, <laughs> but that was yeah. They, I mean, they. Um, what was it? It was in uh, in the Mandalorian, I think. The Mando uses it. He goes. What was it? In the third season, he goes in a room where there's a bunch of Ugnaughts and he uses it. Oh, and oh, yeah. Because of that, they kind of respect him and listen to what he has to say. So they're definitely making it a thing now, the, the Ugnaughts. That's pretty fun. I, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, what did you think? Um, one of the things, too, like with Avar and with all the Jedi in this time period, they all have a different way to connect with the force. And obviously Avar's is through song. Like she hears it as a song mm-hmm. and it's being just, you know, it's disconnected. She feels disconnected from the force. Um, yeah. How do you feel about the way the Jedi f- see the force and things like that? Do you like that? I mean, I, I, I enjoy it personally, but I don't know how other, everyone else oh, yeah. thinks about it. Yeah. It's something I've loved throughout the high Republic, just how all the different Jedi see the force and so obviously with Ava here and like you said she feels disconnected to it or when she tries to connect to the force it feels like a di- like discordant rather than you know the song that she heard before mm-hmm. kind of thing um, and I think was it but towards the end well when like you said it's force spoilers so when she escapes at the end and is like reunited with the Jedi and with Elsa it's not fixed but she finds it easier and it sounds more 
like the song yeah. to her kind of thing, although it's still not right kind of thing. Now, do you think... Um, which is interesting. Do you think that's more... Yeah. Do you think it's more like being so close to the nameless, being stuck behind that wall? Like, I don't know how that storm wall would really affect the Force or um, just her connection with the other Jedi. Because something I will talk about here in a little bit towards the end is like the ending of this book, because I think some shenanigans are going to ensue between her and Elzar. But um, do you, what do you think? What do you think is distorting that uh, her connection to the Force? Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure 100 percent what's causing it. I think it's probably a, a combination of everything. You know, being behind Stormwall and separated from everybody else, um, and just probably her own emotions as well. Just being. So, uh, so far from everything else, and just like unsure of what she's able to do where she is. Um, obviously, it's difficult. Uh, there are people out hunting for Jedi, so she can't kind of reveal herself. And to travel from one place to another is difficult because they've got uh, these droids mm-hmm. called scav droids, which are uh, kind of like the um, I guess the little droids we see at the beginning of. Uh, Revenge of the uh, Sith, is it? Where they're the, attacking the buzz the droids, right? The buzz droids, yeah. They're yeah. kind of like those, I, I think. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's all of the above. I mean, I mean, even, uh, uh, what was it? We also have Porter Engel stuck behind the uh, Stormwall as well. and He's kind of in a similar boat, and he's, you know, way older and more experienced than Avar, and, you know, I think even he... He finds himself a task to keep himself busy, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but even he's he kind of feels, you know, is what I'm doing, doing anything, kind of thing. Because there's no way of knowing. They can't communicate. They can't go any. It's difficult to go places, etc. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, maybe just separation from Elzar as well. It seems like I think this book really. Because they're because they are so separated now that her, her Elzar and obviously Stellan's passed away, so that like their connection that those three all had together, I think maybe just because Stellan's passed away and those two are separated on the sides of the Stormwall, maybe that's affecting it too. Like you know, yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, Elzar I really loved in this book as well. Um, I really enjoyed his character in this book. Uh, I think when we first got introduced to him in Rising Storm, I didn't like him as much and didn't connect to him as much. I think it took the Fallen Star for me to actually really start to like him. Um, and this is one I, I really enjoyed his point of view. He's obviously struggling with everything that's happened, and but at the same time because he was struggling before almost he's better place to deal with it now because he was you know um struggling with the dark side and things like that and, but then had some i don't know counseling really i guess from all of Jeraini. Um, uh, r.i.p aura yeah um <laughs> but he's kind of you know dealing with things okay getting frustrated like everyone else is but he seems to be doing okay but also struck me that Stellan really feels like a character still in this book because so much of what both Avar and Elzar go yes. through, they think about him a lot and what would he do? And he's kind of the one that they both look to, to inform their actions. Like this is what Stellan would do. So I'm going to try and do that. 
Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think so too. I, that's a good, that's a really good point and a really good segue. Um, yeah, Stellan feels like he's still a part of this book, which is cool because he was, you know, an awesome Jedi. Um, I wish we'd have gotten a little bit more of him in uh, phase one, but yeah, Elzar's really struggling with trying to be not someone he's not. You know, I think that if you're a Jedi, I mean, I guess I can't say that. They're not, they're not all leaders. I mean, they usually go out on their own and things like that. But he's struggling a lot with guilt. Um, you know, and that's what the one thing I've noticed about this um, this whole phase. You know, they built this Jedi temple. And as, you know, as kids growing up, we, you know, the Jedi are, you know, they're detached from emotions or attached from people. But it seems like that these three and the other ones, because we're going to talk about Porter and we'll talk about his sister. But, um their connections with one another seems to help them more than being, I mean, is this, is this why we don't have connections when we come into star Wars, you know, at a new hope and, you know, they're teaching during the prequels or teaching not to have connections more so than um, ever, because we see what it does to Anakin, not, you know, his emotions and you see what it's doing to El's army. He lashes out in uh, starlight, you know, in the fallen star. And then of course he's struggling. Like you said, he struggled prior to this, but I do think that's a really good point you made though. He, he has had some counseling prior to this, you know, from Orla and he, he might be in a better place. He doesn't seem like he's doing well cause he is struggling. Um, but yeah, I, I have to agree. I, th- I thought he was a funny character because like he was kind of like, um, I mean, he was, you know, sleeping around kind of, I'm not sleeping around, but he was hooking up with people in that. And you obviously know that there seems to be something between him and Avar as well. But I thought he was a funny character, but this one really kind of, you know, showed a man struggling. And that's what another thing George Mann does such, like you said, he does such a great job writing all these different characters. It's very difficult, I think, not to, you know, you're just writing a story and there's these characters happening, but each one of them feels so different and like they're going through their own, um, they're going through their own struggles, but yeah, I think that, um, you know, he, uh, and he makes some mistakes and he's going to have to deal with that. Uh, I still wonder if he's going to fall personally to the dark side, um, if, or not. Cause I mean, he's got the stress on him, but I guess Avar is back. So we'll, we can get into that. But, um, cause I can kind of, I don't know about you. I don't want to jump ahead to the end. Like, some of the things I want to talk about at the end, but I feel like the dark side has something to do like, Someone's going to have to go to the dark side to stop all this. I think, I don't know. Like I just, I can't, <laughs> I can't see a way out of it, but I want to talk to you that about that at the end. Um, but yeah, I think I put in my notes, Avar and Elzar man up to no good. Uh, something's going to spawn from, from this, something we're not expecting to love for those to have been going to create something to know what, I mean, I must've done voice to text on this one, but something <laughs> weird is going on between those two. Cause yeah, I mean, like you said, when she gets through that storm wall and she can, you know, she feels that that connection. And then she's like, I need to, I need Elzar. And I feel like that's not just a platonic need almost. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it, but given um, that, and also uh, what is, what's the, uh, I can't think of her, Lena. So the chancellor, she got a little thing for Elzar too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This guy, this guy's breaking hearts all over the galaxy. So, <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen yeah. there? But um, and also, uh, while I think of it, to do with Elzar, there's a moment. It's he's not in the book very much, but Aslin Rel is there, 
Yeah. Um, who was in Phase 2 and is has been in, uh, what was it, one, one issue of the comics um, since it's come back, the um, Shadows of Starlight one, mm-hmm. uh, where he's with Yoda and he was a Jedi that survived a nameless attack back in Phase 2 and has kind of went to the dark side, kind of um, trying to look for a way to destroy the nameless. And Yoda's kind of uh, contrary to the rest of the council. The council were very mm-hmm. much against Yoda working with this guy. But Yoda's like, we need to listen to him because he's learned a lot in the last 150 years or whatever. But there's a moment between him and Elzar Man in the Jedi uh, council chambers where, like, Ezrin Roll's very interested in him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, where's that going to go? And it's not a big yeah. bit in the book, but it's just something that's probably going to, well, I'm sure we'll come back in some of the other books soon to come. Yeah. I I'm, I'm worried for Elzar, but yeah, that's a really good point too. I had to go back up and look, I, I didn't remember Aslan from the, I mean, I went back and I found him, his character, but I don't remember him because he wasn't in the books. It wasn't much about no, it wasn't him. He a just major kinda, character. No. Uh-uh. And then I thought I had missed something Please, like major. Yeah. Had to go back through, but that's that's that that's why I love the High Republic Initiative. Like this has been so much fun. Little things like this is planted, and you never even you know you're tearing through these books. You don't even give this kid a, a second thought, and now here he is, a dark side user, coming back, maybe save the day, maybe turn Elzar man. You know who knows? But that, just such good writing and good planning, and these people need to be in charge of uh, Lucasfilm, I think. <laughs> yeah, so. and it's like there's other unexpected kind of like connections to phase two because you know, mm-hmm. a lot of phase two we were looking what's going to happen, what we're going to learn about the nameless and where they come from, and these kind of things, and uh, the market, the Roe family kind of thing that's going to carry yeah. forward. But there's there's a there's like unexpected connections in this back to phase two, like uh, General Vice, I think her name yep. is. Who was a, a mercenary leader that popped up in the the Blade comic book? Yes. Uh, so yes. so she has a connection with Porter Engel, and they're like kind of uh, each other's nemesis, I guess. Yeah, for um, sure. And also the uh, the EX droids from the Pathfinder crews, like the the, yes. the, the little droids that go through hyperspace in short jumps uh, when they're setting up communications and things like that. Um, so I was surprised that they came back, uh, and I'm really happy about that, actually. Um, mm-hmm. They were cool, um, and also it's their kind of, uh, what was it, they take a chip from it that they use to, yeah. that's how Wavar gets back through the storm wall, wall in the end. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that, if they're able to reuse it. I know Mark Yonroe says he'll prevent that, but can he? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I, I, I did enjoy that in this book. Like, I'm hoping... There's still some gaps. I still don't know, like with Martyro and Marcion, like there's someone missing in the middle gap there. I feel like, like I don't feel like I feel like she's like almost a grandma, not a mother. But I mean, we'll get yeah. into some yeah, of that stuff so. um, because, like, we still really don't know where his hatred of the Jedi stems. Like, it can't just be. I just don't like Jedi. <laughs> like, I mean, you know what I mean, like yeah. nothing that's happened so far in the books, other than what his. I think maybe his grandmother or great grandmother goes through in phase two, but that, I mean, that can't carry on. I wouldn't think, although the ever any are kind of a hateful group of people, it seems yeah. like, <laughs> um, 
But uh, yeah, you brought up General Vice, and I thought it was kind of funny because I I just finished the Blade comic. It's only four series, but I got General Vice, and then I start reading the book. I'm like, oh, she's alive too. And so to have these two characters from way back, and then she's also responsible for Porter's sister. What doing the first was it the Barrage Code? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so he's got some beef with her. And let's talk about Portal to Porter as well, because he has another series uh, coming out called The Broken Blade with another mm-hmm. comic book series coming out. So I'm a little nervous about that because of the way the book ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, with his character. But yeah, I thought his connections, his story, jumping through, um, you know, different places and being able to escape the, the scav droids. And I always, like you said, think of them as buzz droids. I, just kind of interchangeable names for me. But uh his ability to recall that stuff. Cause it's weird. Cause when you're first introduced to him, he's like what? A couple hundred years old, 200 years old or something like that. You know, he's a, he's a cook. Cause he's like, yeah. I've, I've tried everything. I've done everything, you know? And he's like, Oh, he's the blade of Bardoga and all this stuff. And you're like, yeah, whatever. And now it's all kind of coming back around. So what did you think about Porter's journey uh, in this book? And uh, I guess we'll, we'll talk about what you think happened to him at the end. Yeah. I thought it was a good one. You know, um, Again, like Avar, he's just trying to survive behind the storm wall. Um, he goes around these places that he's been before when he was part of Pathfinder teams and stuff, I guess, and uh, scavenging the old, finding old EX droids and things like that to try and put one together. And uh, yeah, and ends up coming up against his old nemesis, General v- VS Vice. Um, but he, yeah, even even old, even as a cook, he's still <laughs> he's still a badass, basically. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. He just wrecks a bunch of people several times, um, and yeah, yeah. And him and General Vice have a, a big kind of battle at the end, and he kind of sacrifices himself to fight her so that Avar can get away and uh, try and get back through the storm wall. Um, and yeah, at the end, I guess he's kind of missing in action because they do mention that uh, I think somebody's talking to Marky on row and they say that neither Porter Engel or General Vice's bodies were found Yes, in the wreckage. So is that what Broken Blade's going to be about? Um, I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind of what I'm, I'm hoping. I'm a little nervous, but I mean it's okay for characters to die too, sacrificing themselves like a noble way for the Jedi to go out. Although he didn't take care of general vice though. So that would have been a bummer. It will be a bummer if mm. that's how it ends for him. But I, I, I think, I think you're onto something. I, I don't think he's gone. I do think that that four runs here, I think it's four episodes or four comics. Yeah. Probably four issues. Will yeah. be, um, will be maybe wrap up his story. I mean, cause he can't be in mm-hmm. good, he can't be in good shape, but, um, yeah, so is there any other character? Markion Rowe, let's talk about him real quick. Let's talk about him and Jira Staris uh, together, kind mm-hmm. of the yin and the yang of the Nihil. Um, where does Markion, or Marcion, where does he rank for you in bad guys? Because I want right we don't there. swear. I, I think he might be my favorite villain now. Um, just he, he seems to kind of have an answer for everything. Uh, but he's he's not like Palpatine because he doesn't want control of the universe, you know, the whole galaxy kind wants, of thing. But he just, just wants, wants to chaos. cause destruction and stop the Jedi and 
try and show yeah. people what he thinks is the uh, corruption of the Republic, I guess. Um, but yeah, he just, everything he seems to have well planned. But I, th- I, I did get the feeling during this book that maybe, not that he's losing his way, but like every, everything else that he'd been planning for so long, he's now done and executed. So it's like, what's next for him? And is that where start things start to go wrong uh, for him kind of thing? Uh, and the Nihil, like, it seems like there's cracks st- starting to yeah, appear was... a bit more now in the Nihil. Mm. Um, like, you mentioned Jurastaros. I was kind of, I expected her to be in the book, I guess, but just not as much as she was. Um, yeah, she's a big part of it. She's kind of trying to legitimize the Nihil. Um, she wants <laughs> a seat in the uh, Senate. Um, and I guess for her, that's what this has been about, that she wanted more power in the Senate, maybe, or, you know, well, just more power in general, but from a political kind of standpoint. Uh yeah, so she's, and you very much get the feeling that she's in, <laughs> she's in peril. That like, any time Mark Yonro could just decide that I don't need you anymore, and just, or you're too much trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like I've just kept waiting for him just to like end her with a lightsaber. Like every time they have a conversation when she came back from uh, Coruscant, and yeah, but she definitely has her own goals in mind. We don't swear on this show. Obviously, it's a family show, but man, I have some choice words about Mark Monroe. And I think you're right, though. He is, you know, if you think back to it when they first, they, they first not, what scared the Jedi, blah, 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 you know. I mean, now I get it. This would scare mm-hmm. the Jedi. Um, Mark Monroe would scare the Jedi. He has become pure evil. Now, I hope you're, I hope you, I think you're right, too. I feel like he's lost his way. I hope that it doesn't end with him. Like, I want him to go on out with a big old plan. Maybe it gets mm. foiled, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, they've created a character here that I wasn't sure we were going to get. Um, and then um, I put here in my notes too: is, is Jira the beginning of the Empire? Like, <laughs> kind of like or Markion Roe, like you know this whole idea. I mean, I know it's the Emperor, but if and I know Plagueis is not Plagueis is not canon. Well, he kind of is canon. This book is not canon, I guess, but Plagueis is canon. Is he running around in the background of roughly about this time point? Because he's, you know, he's pretty old. Is he setting things up? Is he using this? Are we going to see him in like the Acolyte or something like that? You know, because that's going to kind of be the, the, the ending of, um, I think, the High Republic, like some of these characters. But do you think that Markion or Jira or any of those, like, have they have, are they going to have any influence over what's about to happen in star Wars, like what we know of star Wars, you know, prequels. Uh, I don't know. Well, I, I think certainly the, like the events, everything that goes down in, in the high Republic is definitely going to influence where the Jedi council or what the way the Jedi are when we've met them again in like mm-hmm. the prequels. Um, I think especially, uh, was it in the comics? Was it where they institute the, uh, what do they call it? Something Guardian Protocols or something? Yeah, it's like brought a everybody back. What like on a war footing kind of thing? And it's, it seems like some of those rules that they introduced are still in place. Maybe mm-hmm. when we get to like uh, the Phantom Menace and stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, it'd be interesting to see for sure uh, what happens. Um, 
you would expect you're going to see, well, in the Acolyte for sure, something to do with the Sith and yeah. you know, maybe referencing back. You know, maybe even if they weren't influencing events now, they were probably watching with great interest <laughs> what's going on. You know, <laughs> yeah. learning from it, you know, to an extent. So, yeah. Yeah, you would have to think so. Like, if, because I mean, Plagueis would be around, you know, from where the book talks, how long he was in the background doing things. Um, kind of, this would, I think this would be a good place to bring him in, you know, towards the end of this, where he's just mm-hmm. kind of sitting there, like, you know, f- you know, finger, fingers, you know, peaked <laughs> and just kind of like, here we go. This is the Sith opening because, you know, the Jedi have been so focused on the Drengear and the Nihil and the Nameless. And now I can just kind of slip in behind everything and cause all kinds of chaos. But, um, yeah, so I- I'm excited for that. Like, I don't want it to end, but I want it to end because I want to know, like, oh, God, what- what's going to happen to it? Um, but I only I have one more see here. Um, do you have any? And this is kind of my, like one of my last questions for you. Then, um, do you have any idea how the Jedi are going to stop the Nameless? Like what, <laughs> when you sit there and you see what it's yeah. doing to these Jedi Masters, these Grand Masters, um, do you think? Do you think the dark side's the key? Do you think you know a Jedi has to cut themselves off from the Force, like we've seen in different things? Like they've kind of just block the force from them are they going to be able to fight back i mean do you have any predictions or do you think it's going to be something as, as simple as you know the, the rods of those rods of you know i can't think of their names right now but the two rods they bring together uh, that were mm. the whole story of phase two do you think it's going to be that simple or do you think it's going to be something a little um, more intense i don't know i think yeah definitely i think the rods will be involved somehow but obviously there's quite a few of the nameless around at the moment now, it seems like. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't help but uh, think, well, there was in phase two in uh, Path of Vengeance. Oh, which Jedi was it? Um, <laughs> one of the younger there was ones, a lot I can't of remember her name now. Um, uh, but she kind of managed to resist the effects of the nameless oh. but uh i can't remember what, what you know but she was kind of meditating or like trying to focus on something in particular and she was able to stand up to it a little bit more not yeah. overcome it or anything but so i think that could come back in some way um for sure um i i really don't know and especially <laughs> i don't know if you've seen some of the uh concept art they released because there's another character in this book one of uh the Nihil, leaders called Baron Bulan, who's like a, a, a scientist. He's a Ithorian, yeah. He's a scientist Ithorian and he's experimenting not only on Jedi but also on the nameless. And there's some images of like there's like nameless with like bits of metal on their legs and things and Oh. I haven't seen <laughs> so that. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I feel like it's coming to an end, but there's still so much to happen. Like mm. I mean, so much. I mean, I know they do a lot of stuff with comics and they'll do stuff with, you know, the young readers and I'm not sure like with the audio books and things like that. But yeah, I, I thought overall, um, and we didn't even get into talking to like Buriaga and, mm. um, uh, why can't I think of the name? Bell, you know, yeah. they had a weird journey. I thought, I think they were just kind of like side characters in this the whole mm. time. It was good to have them back. Yeah. Um, the mentions, my, one of my they, few criticisms was not enough Bell. <laughs> yeah yeah not i felt the same way uh not enough bell mentioning wreath silas um 
And then of course we didn't get the, um, like one of my things was I was kind of, I was kind of disappointed that the characters from Lydia Kang's story um, from Tales of Light and Life was it's master Miro locks and his Padawan Amadeo Azazo. Like they kind of mention them, but we never Mm -hmm. hear them. So I'm assuming they're getting their own book or, They'll pop up somewhere. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, people have mentioned that there's new Jedi coming. And I know you have the the encyclopedia. Mine comes on Tuesday. So I'm excited to dive Mm. into that. But, um, yeah, what would you like? So, like you said, thumbs up for this, the start. Are you excited for where this book, uh, where the story is going to go and how it's going to? Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Um, I thought it was a great start to phase three. Um, you know, sets up where everybody is and kind of how dire the situation still is. Um, and I'm just, yeah, excited and interested to see where it goes from here, really. Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah I'm yeah, i totally in agreement. I, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this book, but I couldn't put it down. Like, I just, I kept reading it and taking big chunks of it. I mean, I may or may not have taken a day off work to uh, <laughs> read a bunch of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I gotta get through this book. Um, and I, you know, when they pull you in like that, I felt like I got a couple of those in phase two and, the, you know, a lot of the books in phase one kind of pull you in, but yeah, this one really kind of captivated and pulled me in and made me hate Marcion Rowe more, which is what we want. You know, you want to hate your bad guys, <laughs> um, has lots of questions. So yeah, I can't wait. I, uh, you know, one of my biggest complaints about the phase one and two where the books came out so fast and now it's like, yeah. oh, I've got to wait till January. No, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we are never happy, are we? So, <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, Johnny. You have anything else you want to say about uh, George Mann's The Eye of Darkness or the start of Phase 3? Uh, I don't think so, no. I think that about covers okay. it all. All right. Let everybody know uh, where they can find you, Johnny, on uh, social yeah, media. At Starbird Files on uh, Instagram and also Facebook. But uh, if you go to my Instagram, then you'll find links in my bio to uh, the blog and uh, Facebook page and anything like that, really. Yeah. yeah mainly Instagram. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I would suggest if you, if you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, what is this High Republic? These guys love it. And you'll hear in all of our talks about the High Republic, the three of us, you know, Taylor's usually with us. She's catching up to us. Um, if you want quick recaps and really good details, go to Johnny's Starboard Files and read his recaps. He'll get you up to speed, and you can hop up, and uh, you can know what's going on. So, uh, Johnny, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate you giving the time. You're a busy man and highly sought after on the on the for High Republic and everything else. But uh, do you have a quote for us on our way out? Uh, we are all the Nihil. We are all the Nihil. Oh, no. At that moment. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Okay, thank you, Explorers, as always, for listening. We hope you have all have a great Christmas, as always. Please leave us loads of comments on the socials. Catch us at Explore the Force on Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok, YouTube, and also Instagram. Let us know, or also let your loved ones know, or friends (laughs) as well, (laughs) what Christmas ideas and gifts that you'd like for Christmas. And as always, from Taylor. <laughs> For light and life. And for myself, I've learned from Palpatine. I'll show you the stone in my hand. You'll miss the knife at your throat. Ah! <laughs> there we go. And for all of us, we have spoken. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. Bye. <laughs>